you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. Welcome to episode 195 of Y'all Gonna Hear Podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick, and joining me today are my three computerized co-hosts. Jonathan. Colt, it's me. Uh, it's me, Wenzel, and guess what? Uh, we have an intro. Woo. Did yeah. you hear that? Four, four years down the road, we finally have a brand new spanking intro, courtesy of... Our host here, Jonathan, and friend of the show, Captain Shimmy, Justin. Yes. Yep. Thank you guys Jonathan, so much. Jonathan Lenahan, Justin Snipes. Remember those names. These names, you'll be hearing them right next to Dr. Dre and uh, Orville Redenbacher. And Skrillex. Mmm, mm, good. If, if, if ever there was a Mount Rushmore of quality content, that's the mountain you would see. The Wright Brothers. Yeah. But, like, fused together. Oh, no. Yeah, like, like, the, like the quintesson of, of, like, musical figures. It's just, like, five faces on one head that's spinning. Mm-hmm. Well. It, it's like the, the computer in Tron. It's just that big red face that was, like, square, and it's like, wah! Yes. Yeah, show me what you've got. Well, well, no. Pa- Pat made a uh, Pat made a Transformers re- reference. You nerds! <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, I don't oh. get it. Well, excuse the fuck out of you me. You calling us know. nerds, and we don't yeah, get the Transformers, there's Transformers reference? There's a Transformer with like four freaking heads, man. I didn't know that. Well, now you do, you idiot. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad there's somebody else on this team that enjoys a Transformers reference or two. You're goddamn right, Pat. Thank you. Well, I love it. Love Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Justin. Uh, when you go to bed, I hope you have four good dreams. Four? Why not five? Because that's too many. Well, well, they're four good dreams, but they're just overlaid on top of each other. Like when oh, they all play at once? Yeah, it's like four TVs playing at the same time. Yeah, you won't be able to enjoy it. It's not fun. Oh. Sounds like a raw deal to me, but whatever. But speaking of TV shows, we're talking about one today. <laughs> it's, it's, um, King of Segways, Pat. It's the very first um, Disney Plus Marvel series. We talk about WandaVision today and reviewing and uh, breaking down the first two episodes of the season or the series. We'll see We'll see how long it goes in the future. Like I said, this we're talking about the first two episodes. And this is the official first installment in Marvel's Phase 4 and the 24th installment in the MCU overall. I guess you could call this, Pat, a right-after review. Possibly. Yes. So, 
Just, um, it's, 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 <laughs> All right, it's, thanks. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's been a couple of days. Um, we get you know, time to like explore the theories, look into some facts, and just to sort of digest ourselves of what's been going on. But then we'll be able to help you figure out, you know, put the AYCH spin on what WandaVision is. And so, um, just a little bit of uh, uh, upfront information. Uh, this would be sort of like the a, the next version of what the Marvel TV shows were like with the Netflix series and like Ace of the Shield. But what makes it different from those is this has like a a more direct connection to the MCU and will have a greater long-term footprint in the I guess the cinematic universe overall. And also uh, from what we've been able to find out through like various sort of like information sources that this will be the first of a trilogy of sorts. Because the the events of WandaVision will play into and directly affect the third MCU Spider-Man film and Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which uh, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, will be playing a large part of when that movie comes out. Oh. Um, we should also say spoilers ahead. Oh, yes. yes. Spoilers yeah. for the first two episodes yeah and spoilers for if you didn't know infinity war <laughs> oh yeah forgot everything else before this go watch it and then come back yeah <laughs> go watch all those movies and everything else and then come back and uh, talk to us because we'll be discussing in just flagrant detail everything that happens so full sport if you haven't seen it by chance that's okay take some time to watch it we'll be here waiting for you until whenever you get around to it all right everybody you quiet let's wait Okay. All right, now you're back. So yeah. if you know now, Vision is dead. He got his uh, skull ripped open by Thanos, the purple bastard. Um, and it's like, yeah. not like like dusty dead, like, you know, finger snap boom. More like just like dead, dead, like, like literally dead. Like com- it's like, like completely how bad bringing him back dead. It's like D-E-D, dead. Like how, how bad has got to be to like, you have to be killed. Well, I guess Thanos wouldn't know what it's like to be killed twice because his ass got axed twice. In the first case, literally. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. True. yeah. Because, um, but well, what we've seen with the, with the, with WandaVision, it's just like very clear, like send up to the old like nineteen fifties and sixties like sitcoms. Because the very first episode of the series plays that pretty straight. Like it's like a very clear like nod to like the Dick the Dick Van Dyke show I leave Love Lucy to, leave it to Beaver shows like yeah. that yeah and like um, 50s and, and like I mean Bewitched yeah the the, the, the Bewitched uh, really comes in with the second episode but yeah. what, this was like Wanda being like this house uh, house giver she's like using like her magic to like move the plates around and she had to take care of the house it's very Bewitched like and what's cool about the this uh um, setup of the sitcom is that they went full hog with it. Like they even like asked Dick Van Dyke to come on as a consultant to say like, "Hey, are are we filming this first episode as accurate as possible to how the old '50s sitcoms were?" And like the, the, that first episode was actually filmed in front of a live studio audience, like to the point where uh, everybody in the audience had to sign an NDA agreement to make sure they didn't talk about what happened. Well, yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> God, that that but that's got to be fucking risky because, like, holy shit! There's when you're dealing with like so many people, you know, one there's gonna be one jackass who's just like, oh, I'm gonna fuck it up for everybody. Yeah. 
But luckily, they seem to have tighter lips than Tom Holland ever did. <laughs> yeah. Or Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, they're the loose lip sink ships. Yeah, what did everybody think of it? I haven't. All right, really shut seen... up, Colt. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Go, go. <laughs> I haven't really seen like many opinions about it online, which is a surprise considering it's Marvel, and you usually get the Marvel sucks. Stop enjoying Marvel opinions, but I haven't really seen anything. Uh, but I thought it was pretty fun. I don't know about you guys, but watching them do this little little funny little fun thing uh with like uh the 50s special effects i guess with her using her powers and having dishes clearly on strings yeah and random appliances clearly on strings i thought it was fun i thought it was nice but then when the it takes a turn that's when i'm like okay we're into we're actually having some real important things happening here because i was kind of worried with all the uh happy-go-lucky type parts of the episodes i'm thinking is this just some weird offshoot with like it's not really gonna affect anything yeah but it's slowly getting to a point where like okay it is something very important going on here instead of just some weird fever dream wanda had after vision died or some shit <laughs> I, I I agree with Cold. I I told him before this podcast that um, I'm glad these two episodes are only like 30 minutes, maybe a little over that, like 36. Um, if it was just a bunch of happy-go-lucky bits, the entirety of it, I would have been pissed and I would have dropped it because, man, uh, I can't keep up with that shtick for like an hour, not even 50. Yeah, literally only 30. <laughs> And plus, we saw with with the success of the Mandalorian that you can like have a show like a compelling show that that's only thirty to thirty five minutes. So like, it, it, they give the show exactly much time it needs to tell the story. So there's not like a lot of dithering with like side with like this sort of extraneous side uh, plot. But I think like really helps what we saw with the Mandalorian. Uh, I would presume want with the rest of Wandavision and the MCU series to follow. Yeah, well, well yeah. like in this one, I think having it being more more constrained to the thirty minute time slot is a lot better. I mean, granted, uh, because it's riffing on sitcoms and sitcom tropes, and from what we've seen in other you know shots from like the trailers and stuff, it looks like we're as it's going along, we're getting newer and newer versions of a sitcom. Like I know there were like a couple shots that looked like straight out of the Brady Bunch. Yeah, I definitely think like that's because uh, you know jumping ahead when the episode two ends, you see the series shift to color and it sort of changes like the, the decoration, the, the decoration and sort of designs of how they look. So I feel like because there's six episodes in this se- season slash series, so like as the show progresses, I imagine we we just go through the, the decades and sort of like they match like the big name sitcoms of the era during yeah. the episodes, like. Like, you know, like we said, Brady Bunch, like, Full House, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> let's get Two fucking... Two and a half men. Let's get a WandaVision version of Rosambo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, uh, I was going to say the um, the actress in the first episode that plays Mr. Hart's wife, she she plays Kitty, the mother, in the 70s show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Deborah Jo Rump. Topher. And um, yeah. the, uh, the, the actress who plays Agnes, the nosy neighbor, is... Uh, Catherine Hahn, who's like a 
who's had a long career as like a comedic character actor. Yeah, yeah, she's oh, she's yeah. been on S. She was on SNL for a long time, right? And I think the most recent one I can think of off the top of my head, she was the uh, sort of bitchy lawyer kind of rival in um, Parks and Rec. Yeah. But uh, was she in Parks and Rec? I feel like I've seen her from something. She's been in a it's, lot of stuff. She was in she was in Step Brothers. Uh, she plays the wife of Adam McKay's character, who is um, uh, Will Ferrell's uh, Will Ferrell's brother. Okay. And uh, what I thought was really cool about the show and how it's sort of really brain like really focusing on like the sitcom like tropes and like style is that even the aspect ratio changes to like. Yeah. The way it was back in the day, and like when there, when that swerve happens at, at toward the end of episode one, it goes full screen, and like yeah. w- like when you notice when the facade starts to crack, when the boss starts trying to like starts grilling Wanda and Vision, like, well, how did you meet? How long did you been married? And all this and that, like the camera starts to zoom in, and the angles change to like a more modern use, and like and the aspect goes to full screen and just like and if you're not paying attention it'll just it'll just go by you not realize which yeah. this shows like that's a really cool trick they did yeah cuz i didn't notice that aspect but i'm not surprised that they did that and, and not not to be that person cuz i am a david lynch fan person but that scene the 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 segment at the end where the boss is choking on the steak and the the wife is just like, stop it, stop, stop it. it, stop it. That yeah. that is fucking straight out of a racer head. Like, and it is like genuinely terrifying. That that's the type of shit that I find fucking scary. It's it's, it's, yeah. that, it's that weird like like psychological like atmospheric horror because like it's like because like movies like Pleasantville and like all these movies that sort of like. So on the surface, like like these old like very idyllic nineteen sit- sitcoms, or then like we're then there's like this this weird underlying like 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 trauma and and like horror beneath just this gilded surface. But I think it's a lot of fun, and, th- and that scene at, the, at that scene toward the end is like is really sort of I think impactful. Just yeah, and sort of. Like I'm not super familiar with a lot of the comic stories. This may or may not be inspired by but just sort of knowing the character of Wanda and her sort of trajectory in the comics it it, it definitely does lead and knowing that leads to this like sort of unsettling feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop because like as far as like the episodes themselves like Colt Wenzel were saying they, they do they are played really straight and outside of a few moments like that, like like that the scene we just mentioned or the scene with the radio in episode two, I mean, it is played fairly straight like those old sitcoms are. And even so much with like themes and attitudes and even and like they have like the that the pseudo mid Atlantic accent along with it. Yeah. And, and it's I could see where people would fall off of that. If that if that background element wasn't there, yeah, but like I do think it, I, I do appreciate there, like you know people have you know criticized Marvel, which I think is a you know valid thing to do, like how there's like a sort of monotonous nature to some of the stuff they've done. I feel like they're willing to like take a chance, 
you know, as small as it may be with the show and do like, hey, we're playing it like this for like 90% of it as like this old sitcom with like some weird spooky shit in it. I feel like that's probably a nice change of pace from what for people who may be a little burnt out on what Marvel's been putting out recently. Well, yeah, and, and and I never thought in a million years that I would be comparing the show to someone like a David Lynch. But like also but it, it and it, it nails it more than most of David Lynch imitators actually do. It's that, like you were saying it's that veneer of nicety and Americana and but uh, just just underneath the surface, there's something really wrong and really fucked up. Like most sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> Am I yeah. right? Yeah, to but, uh, but unlike, to... unlike other sitcoms where it doesn't really go unstated, like this is... A, you start seeing the cracks in it every so often. I The, the one comparison that I have is... Adult Swim has a thing they share. They post. They run it every now and then. Uh, too many cooks. That's yes. what it's reminding me of. Yes. The way that... I like too many cooks. It's just the too many cooks theme song playing over and over again, while it slowly goes into chaos with a killer killing people in the intro. Yes, it is that that eleven minute short. That's just that Full House like '90s sitcom theme. Yeah. And it just gets progressively more and more fucked up as it goes along. And this, like you were saying, Colt, this gives the exact same vibe. And um, and just that commitment even shows, like, they even have, like, breaks in the episode where they have, like, these old school commercials in it. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, so there's, like, there's always little interesting details in each one. In episode one, you have the Stark Industries toaster. And um, and how the how in that episode the only color in the episode is is the red light on the toaster yeah and how and it was beeping like a bomb it's like it's, that's an interesting thing and how like the woman in the in the commercial she seemed kind of like uncomfortable and nervous when it cuts to her and just like sort of awkwardly long pace for them for the toast to get ready and then like there's even like a little like gag that the toaster's like noise sounds like iron man's repulsors mm-hmm. so like that i thought that was a cool bit and how in episode two they have the Spooknil like wristwatch that has a fucking Hydra symbol on the face of the watch. Yeah, Strucker, Strucker. That sounds that it's a familiar name too, Strucker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that had some sort of like comic origin that I'm just not aware of. But it, but like you, were, something you were saying about the, those commercials where the woman in the commercials is really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And there was some, it was something that was said. I think it's the second one. Whereas uh, there's two accessories that every man needs in his life, and he's like his woman and his watch. And it was like, whoa, now. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Wait, the- which like you know that's definitely invoking that. And I think that's coming to that is playing into some sort of theme that the show's trying to get into because there's a lot of. <sighs> And granted, a lot of comedy in the 50s and 60s was centered around, like, married couples and gender politics and stuff like that. But this show really places a lot of emphasis on that, you know, in, like, especially, like, the first episode. She's being the housemaid. And then I imagine as as it goes along and it starts adapting more styles per decade, like, 
there's going to be more like quote independence in games. And I'm sure that the, what it's, it's intentional to sort of to like highlight the disparity between men and women in the, of the era, but also maybe to like to show like like I guess like to highlight something about Wanda because like in the first yeah. first of the commercials like are you tired of your wife burning your toes? Burning your toast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like I think and, I think what it's going to probably lead up to is like her like letting go pretty much. It's this is all probably just going to be a way for her to just uh like that grief and to to let go of vision and, and her attachment to him because you know she can't bring him back he's dead so this is kind of her way of like in, in a weird way i've i don't know this is because there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes too in the show that we can tell as well but like this is also a way of her uh confronting and dealing with that grief and that's what it feels like it's probably heading towards yeah, exactly just like some other like little stuff because at the very end of the episode, you see sort of the the TV show roll its credits, and the camera pans out to us like it's actually playing on the television set, and you see someone like at some sort of laboratory or like technological desk, like writing down notes. And if you notice, like, the symbol on the computer is a sword in a on an emblem, and that's the same symbol used for sword, which is the opposite of shield. It's sort of the secret organization that deals with extraterrestrial threats. Whereas, yeah. where Shield deals with like local terrestrial threats, so like space problems versus Earth problems. I wonder how is the events of WandaVision connected to Sword? Because we got we saw like our first real look at that at the end of what was it, Spider-Man: Far From Home? Because I feel like there's there was one movie where we see Nick Fury in a space station because he's like I'm on I'm on vacation. It, and he's like he pulls out. It's Far big, From Home, yeah. Big space station is like all the scrolls walking around. So like that was part of Sword because Sword th- deals with like fighting off bad aliens and stuff. So I wonder how that's connected. And like, isn't um isn't Rambo uh Rambo's daughter, whoever uh you know from Captain Marvel, not Rambo fucking Sil- Sylvester Stallone. Uh, her name's her last name's Rambo. Isn't doesn't she have some connection to Sword as well? Like she's supposed to be part of that or something? Yes, um because. Going back to Captain Marvel, because the because the, the Captain Marvel's best friend in the movie is Maria Rambo, a fighter pilot, and her her young daughter Monica Rambo is in the movie, and as we find out, um, over the it, it, as part of sort of the pre, the pre release information that um, Monica Rambo as an adult is a part of WandaVision. She and from the because in the in the comics she's she's a Captain Marvel, like she, she's like has mm-hmm. this cosmic power she uses to fly and fight. But with this one, um, we see the actress. I think her, excuse me, her name is just one sec. Tiona Paris. She plays Geraldine in the second episode, and in the in the sort of the real world, of the story that's she's also playing Monica Rambeau. Okay. So this operative is somehow involved with the sort of like the sitcom reality that we're seeing, but also she's a part of the real world uh, that's out, outside of it. Cause we know there's some sort of event that's happening to Wanda that the outside world is sort of aware of and trying to get information from. Cause in the second episode, we see this radio broadcast, like 
Wanda, what are they doing to you? What are they doing to you? Can he get out? Whatever. And what's interesting about that segment is that that's also a pre-existing character. The man's voice on the radio is Jimmy Woo, who's played by Randall Park. You might know him as Asian Jim from The Office. But he's, ah, yeah. But, but he was also Aunt, uh, Scott Lane's parole officer and a former S.H.I.E.L.D. officer in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Okay. And that was his voice coming the through the radio. I'm just trying to figure out how these people are connected to the situation. Yeah. I mean, it seems maybe... like they're not... They shouldn't be related. But, I mean, maybe he moved on to a bigger organization because Monica Rambo, that makes sense. Like, maybe maybe somehow they're uh, they're trying to get, they have some technology that they're able to uh, get into her psych. And, like, you know, like Pat said, maybe she's an agent that they've implanted in there to kind of, like, get close to Wanda to figure out what the fuck is going on. There is a, but but um, just, um, there, is, there is one more existing MCU character that apparently will make an appearance in the series to what extent we don't know they haven't they haven't turned up yet but apparently um Darcy from the Thor movies is coming back in this series somehow is like, that you know, Natalie Portman no Darcy was played by Kat Dennings she was like Natalie Portman's like friend assistant yeah. oh, okay well, apparently this will be her first appearance in the MCU in, in eight years since 2013's The Dark World Jesus I w- you know, I wonder if she got a job working with Sword after the Thor stuff. You know, that would make sense if they're dealing with alien threats. Yeah, it's, it's possible. But um, d- but just on that thorough line of like these sort of smaller characters coming back, it, it's interesting how these three will play into this, and and whether I know at least with um, Monica Rambeau, she will play a larger part. But as for the other two, that sort of remains to be seen. Y- yeah. Yeah, um, and then something something else too, like of like maybe the facade breaking a little bit that we see, and this is an episode two towards the end, is uh, when it looks like a beekeeper comes out of the sewer with the sword symbol on his back, and yeah. Wanda has to reverse everything to get back to her ideal uh, idealized um, uh, dream fantasy. Because we, because uh, at the end of the episode two, we're jumping all over the place. But you know, if you've seen it, you know what's happening. We're just sort of talking as we go. But because because at the end of episode two, it's like Wanda's surprisingly she's sort of pregnant, um, which leads to like a. So we'll get into the comic stuff in a bit, but like she's sort of pregnant, and then they hear a note a noise outside to go out and investigate, and this beekeeper man surrounded by bees comes out of the sewer and she's like fuck that shit rewinds like literally like video artifact rewinds back to that moment where they sort of kiss but my theory with the beekeeper it might be a stretch but my first thought was there is a sort of obscure marvel villain named swarm aka fritz von meyer who is a nazi supervillain whose consciousness was implanted into a swarm of bees that he makes that he uses to make up a physical form that's some kojima shit <laughs> what the heck like he has no physical <laughs> body it's just a cloud of bees that his mind is sort of controlling most okay. most recently seen in the ant-man limited series world high that came out last year has some badass toku shit in it <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah, th- 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 that's kind of a stretch. That's kind of just where my went. My went was like my obscure fucking Marvel knowledge, but it's possible. I mean, I don't know any other Marvel character off the top of my head that just like bits got bees. 
Um, I, I don't know, like, the extent of Wanda's powers. Does she, like, control time? Or is it only, like, matter? Reality. It's kind of it's kind of reality manipulation. Which is strange because she got her powers from the Mind Stone, not the Reality Stone. Yeah. Okay, so what? possibly I have an idea. She in, is in a sort of simulation slash something real, and maybe the beekeeper guy was actually there for the Nazi bees. Maybe he accidentally got into Wanda's world by accident somehow, and he's in there trying to get them. Well, it could it could also be that maybe see this is sword so they're dealing with a cosmic extraterrestrial threat so maybe there's some kind of entity that's represented by bees that's infested her that attacked her mentally and is infesting her mind see um my thought was like if if these are like sort of these dangerous criminals making like sword is this giant space station like maybe they ha- maybe like if if this is like a a character that exists outside of her sort of, I guess, fabricated reality of this TV show, maybe that he's like a a criminal or a villain that they have, like, captive inside of this station. And, like, because you can't just make matter from nothing because, like, the reality zone, it has to project the reality onto the world that already exists. Kind of like kind of like a, like a physical illusion. Yeah. Because if you saw when Thanos uses the reality zone... When he turned it off, like it, everything else just went back to the way it was, because it's kind of like just put on top of it like a sheet. Mm-hmm. So maybe like just due to, to the magnitude of her powers and maybe the, the, her declining mental state, like there's some stuff that slips through the cracks, and that's why oh. um, Monica is there as a person, but she just has like this veneer of a TV character on top of her. I, Pat, I got it. I figured it out. No, what it is, there's a tiny captured bee that they have in the space station, and the bee has psychic powers, and it's uh, invading Scarlet Witch's mind and Tackner. It's a tiny bee. The, Not the bees! The bee, the bee is the mastermind. What's the why bee got the bee? to gain? Why doesn't the bee got to gain? Oh, maybe it goes inside of her head and just like, controls her like <laughs> with, the, with the gears on SpongeBob's brain. Well, I mean, think about it. It's like there's what, that what, that... um. That uh, never mind. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, like it's a bee, right? It can like it's psychic powers. Okay, so what if it possesses Scarlet Witch? You're talking about an insect with the power to control reality. Boom. I mean, yes, but is this something you're some bullshit you're making up, or is this something that's existed? In Marvel? It's bullshit that I'm making okay. up. Because I'm about to say th- right. this is like a, a fairly minor note, and I feel like th- this is getting away from just a little bit. But I think one of the big things from episode two is just like, um, and a little bit of episode one is just like that significance of the color red. How like mm-hmm. when out when reality starts to break a little bit or starts to fade into her sitcoms, like it's always the color red that comes through. Granted, this is like her color motif, the Scarlet Witch, so it, red. But you see like the uh, the toy helicopter, which also has the sword symbol on it. Like Dottie, yeah, I thought that was like a star. I thought that was the fucking resistance symbol or something like that. I was like, that's a Star Wars symbol. But Star Wars. Like, you know, the toaster um, light, the toy helicopter, Dottie's blood. blood. Um, when Vision is offered a piece of big red gum, and then in the episode two, when the color starts to spread out for real, it starts with the Vision's face, which is red, and then it spreads elsewhere. 
And like Wanda's sort of like makeup, her fingernails and her lipstick, they're bright red as well. So I'm like, I feel and like her clothes. That's interesting how like that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the show. And like why that color comes through out, outside of anything else. What was the last thing she did before the Wanda, before the series takes place? Uh, what was the last thing we saw her do? Probably uh, she helped. Yeah, she helped defeat Thanos, and then they were all attending Tony's funeral, and then that's it. We didn't. She didn't do anything else after that. Yeah, because okay. she was so strong that Thanos had to bitch out and shoot missiles on top of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because I'm just we I'm show not. like Wanda is super powerful. Like she like. Did she, did she get blasted by like all five of the infinity beams? And she's just like, nah, bitch. Yeah, I mean, she's like one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. For good and for ill. Yeah, House of M. Which, I think that's a good segue to some of the comic stuff that it's sort of pulling from. Because um, it looks like the show will be taking good inspiration from 2005 House of M. Which is where um, Wanda, it's sort of like it, it's like at her most peak mental fragility is is gaslit, manipulated by Magneto and creating a world which mutants are the um, the prevailing form of life. And then sort of like the big fallout from that, sort of like you know no more mutants and like Wanda rewriting the world multiple times. And then the 2015 Vision limited series which features Vision creating his own family out of robots. And sort of the very sort of, it was a similar vibe, like the superficial, like idyllic family with a very dark, very fucked up undercurrent throughout the rest of this series. And I feel like that's really coming through. I mean, there's even direct references, like um, the bottle of wine that Wanda pours during dinner. Um, it has a symbol on it that's very similar to the House of M symbol they use for that maxi series and the name of the brand is maison de mepris which is french for house of contempt or house of m and in the opening sequence of episode two there's a moment where when vision is like phasing through the floors there's a cutaway of like a crawl space you see the grim reaper's helmet a marvel villain full with bones and (laughs) and the grim reaper was a villain that turned up in the 2015 Vision comic, and the bones is a sort of a hint to what happened in that story. I don't, I don't yeah. want to give anything away because that's a very, very good story to read. Even if you have like no larger concept of the Vision or maybe Marvel at large, it's just a really good, very unsettling story. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. That's fun. Um, I've seen because I've seen panels uh, of that situation i'm just and i i never caught i didn't catch that wow mm-hmm. it's it's really cool and um it just it really makes me wonder where they'll go wh- how much more they'll pull from those two series because i feel like definitely with reality being rewritten that's definitely from house of m and then sort of the this the sort of grim under trimmings of a picturesque world that definitely pulls in from vision um, the solo series so I'm I'm definitely interested in where this goes and like at what at what point do we see more and more leak-ins from reality? So at what point do we get like or or get to the finale and that's when everything breaks and it's back to the real world or just see like bigger and bigger like leak-in as the series goes on? Yeah, because we have no idea 
when or where this takes place. So that will be like that'll be interesting. Like how you know will this take place after Far From Home, before Far From Home? You know, because Far From Home is the only reference we have after Endgame. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really curious. Yeah, and it's really hard to sort of predict where it's going to go because we don't have a lot of information yet. And but like it's just it's just sort of fun to speculate because like yeah because we are sort of in this sort of very fantastical dream world like like we're still very much in the dark and of course that's by design I'm, and I'm glad that there hasn't really been much in the way of like leaks not that I've been really looking searching them out but like. I haven't really heard much like, oh, this happens and this happens, other than just sort of me. basically what was given upon, you know, the sort of the press junket of it. Same. I'm, I'm glad. Like, it's fun. Um, there is one bit of uh, speculation I found that I thought was a really interesting touch um, with Catherine Haynes' character, Agnes, who's some people, some wild speculation, some people were thinking that she will be the MCU version of Agatha Harkness, which is Scarlet Witch's magical mentor. Now, some people take this as because Agnes is the one that sort of guides and informs Wanda about, the, about oh, you need to do this to be a good wife. We need to do this to, to get ahead in the neighborhood. She's like, she's sort of leading her along that way, like it's sort of like an instructor would. And there's a, there's a further hint that she may be this character of Agatha Harkness, just like grand and powerful witch, is that in the trailer, Agnes's character is shown in a witch outfit during a Halloween portion of one of the future episodes. So, that might be a bit of wild speculation, but it is a very interesting one. And it may not be too wild. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I've been hearing that stuff about her. Like, they've been saying, like, you know, she's been cast as a character named Agnes, and then I saw theories like, oh, she's, like, she's supposed to, she might be this, you know, really powerful witch you know named exactly as you said um yeah i'm excited i'm excited for this show see where it goes yeah so i feel like always always saying recommend if you haven't seen we'll we'll continue we'll pick we'll continue to see where it goes from here i I, I mean yeah yeah you know if if you're a fan of marvel and you want to like i mean they they pretty much said they're these are tied to the other marvel movies so you pretty much kind of have to watch it yeah and especially since this is going to play further into Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and other movies. I mean, it's basically essential viewing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, wink. Essential uh, <laughs> viewing. Um, <laughs> wink, but, wink. With, like, with, like I said, like direct impacts for the, at least the next two big Marvel like movies. And I think that's really cool. Of course, like it, it definitely puts like this, this extra burden of like consumption on you. Like, you know, twenty plus movies and all the little a- ancillary stuff on top of like you know, I-, I guess every Marvel show going forward, with a possible exception of What If, playing like directly into the movies going forward, or just like a just a just nothing else, just expanding the world. Even though it's kind of sad that none of the other Marvel stuff is really relevant anymore. Like R.I.P. Daredevil, I guess, unless it's not. Unless it's not. I mean, they're from what the rumors they say about Doctor Strange and Spider Man, that who knows? They may yet be enfolding though Kevin Feige's kind of a dick cat. It's like I never liked the Marvel Netflix stuff. 
Shut the. Did fuck he say up. that? He like, like for whatever reason, he never agreed with like the direction or the the some some boogity boo about the Marvel Netflix and like. Whatever. Oh my god! And, and like, like I don't know, like, like I really, I really only watched Jessica Jones. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. I just felt it was a little too long. Yeah. And, and from what, and that's sort of what I've heard from like all the other ones, except like Iron Fist, which everyone just was like, "This is fucking shit." Uh, the, the only person I know that liked Iron Fist was Shimmy. He liked Iron Fist, really? Yeah, he's the only, like he okay. said that was up in his sort of upper echelon of the Marvel Netflix. He might be the only I one mean, I know. Wait, wait. <laughs> okay, Iron Fist was fun, but upper echelon? No, it's here. Here it goes. It's Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica De- Jones, Defenders. Iron Fist is like ten miles back. <laughs> uh. Which, to be honest, though, like Jessica, like honestly, though, when I say like those three, really, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are kind of like both neck and neck for me to be number two. But like, I really like both of them. But like Daredevil, Daredevil is my absolute favorite, and the Defenders was great. Um, <sighs> Punisher was the only one that I could really get into. Oh, Fucking Punisher! Yeah, forget that's part Punisher. of it too. I John Barenthal should be. Punisher. I just want to see him as Punisher again. I want to hear him scream more. Cole, you need to watch the other Netflix shows. I, I'm not kidding when I say they are amazing. Especially- I can't help it that Netflix canceling them has ruined my enthusiasm to get that's fair it. no that's fair yeah that's it, fair. it's I, like I why yeah i totally get that it's like why get invested in something that's just canceled you know or especially if like a lot you know soft sports a lot of these sort of end with kind of open end so it's like will this ever be resolved probably not yeah and, Exa- and, and yeah. like i mean it was def those shows were definitely tonally different from what the mcu was doing but like that's what I liked about them was they were, exactly. they were a little darker. They were a little I, edgier and it's like not like, and, and for as much as I like the MCU, like I totally understand the people who say it's kind of samey. The color saturation is really fucking drab in a lot of ways, even though like the costumes and stuff are very bright. It's just sort of like, like the sort of color palettes of each of the movies, especially like the big ones are just like, a lot of like browns and grays. No, 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 that, no, that's what I, I, one of I'm sure many criticisms about Endgame is like this big climactic war and everything's just kind of brown and dark, kind of hard to see. Yeah, and, and, and but like, and, and and this is one of the things I'm loving about WandaVision is it, even though it this is more in line of what the MCU is versus what the Netflix shows were. It is doing something different and a little something more. I don't want to say experimental because I mean shit like this has been done before, but it is definitely more out there. Outside of you know what we know of the MCU so far, yeah, and it's just like like and, and part of it too is like like I said, I, I'm I'm a David Lynch fan person, so I anything that sort of hints towards something like that, I'm going to eat up. But I just love the tone and the sort of style and. And even though, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, 50s or 60s sitcoms because, I'm sorry, they're not funny. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously times and the sort of taste have changed. So, like, w- w- this seems very sort of plain from what we know so far. But, but you know, we had to have just to get to what we do now. Well, well yeah. And, and also, too, they just weren't allowed to 
push boundaries back I mean, then. <laughs> when it, when it, like, you know, when Wanda and Vision smushed their beds together. And like like that, that was a big deal because in the 50s, you know, when TV was getting started, I mean, that was one of the bullshit fucking rules. The, even a husband and wife had to have separate beds and you couldn't show toilets for some reason. Like, it, it's all this what? weird. It's just all this weird puritanical shit. Like, you know, they couldn't even imply that, um, you know, they had sex. Like, even when, you know, like, well, I think with Lucy, with Lucy Ball, when she had when she was pregnant for Isla Lucy, they had kind of dance, dance around saying she was pregnant or kind of film her in a different way because it was some silly shit. Yeah, and then, like, there, there's a... This is going into film, but, like, there, there's this uh, noir movie. I think it's from the 30s called The Big Sleep. And, and it was notorious for... It, it's a movie that deals with a really dark subject matter, but because of the Hays Code, they couldn't say anything. So it's nigh uncomprehensible what's going on. <laughs> and, like, just to show, like, the level of, I guess, like, difference. Like, because largely in the old sitcoms, like, husband and wife are, like, largely asexual when it comes to, like, showing affection. That's why when the Adams family came out, like, Borticia and Gomez were, like, really the first sitcom couple to be in any way passionate or like visibly in love with each other. Yeah, exactly. And then like, and then like I was saying earlier, like it wasn't until literally 1960 with psycho that a toilet was seen on screen or at least in Hollywood. Anyway, that's so strange. You can't acknowledge that you take pissies and poopies. Um, so I think we had a good run of the first two episodes sort of diving deep and picking, picking out all the little fun stuff. And I think we all are very much invested in where the show goes from here. And I think maybe just jumping ahead, you can look forward to more Marvel series reviews as they come out throughout the year. Yeah, because we got uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. What else coming out this year as far um, as show-wise? Loki. Well, a lot of Loki. Um, what what if, if? Hawkeye. Miss Marvel. Jesus fucking shit. Yeah, like, if, that, if the world goes as, I guess, according to Disney plans, we're supposed to get, like... All these shows and a minimum of four Marvel movies. Fucking shit! They're making up for lost time. Yeah, one the year without Marvel, the Rankin Bass movie. <laughs> Mickey Mouse is shitting his pants. And then yeah, they're making up with just like they'll just you want you miss Marvel. Here you go, you fucks. Because you got you got Mouse Miser and Fox Miser. <laughs> All right. But anyway, uh, thank you all so much for listening to this. We hope you enjoyed this little examination and breaking down of the first two episodes. We appreciate you listening. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and any RSS feed catchers out there. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on all those platforms. It helps us out tremendously, keeps us high in the algorithms, but since we're finding new people, and we just appreciate you when you do it. You can follow us on our socials, on Twitter and Instagram, at Podcast, and follow us on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear, and Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear, and YouTube as well, which is also at All You Can Hear. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all at John Lost His Name and My Art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24 and Letterboxd at John Odinson 12 My name, Colt. Follow me on Twitter, Colt D-0-0. Uh, do some uh, do some cool little backflips for a uh, vision. Just do it. Do it. He ate that gum. 
just for your cool magic show, so you're going to do some backflips. Uh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for listening. I'm Wenzel. You can follow me on Twitter at Wenzel Wilkie. You can follow my art Instagram at World of Wednesday. You can check out my link tree. Do my links to my Goodreads and my Letterbox. Doing the challenges again this year. 100 movies, 50 books. Let's go. Uh, fuck the Puritans. Yeah. All right. Also, fuck the Leadites. Yeah. Predators in Fortnite. Oh, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> All right, bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.